why the RAF? Why the RAF? Um, to be honest, me, me brother was in the Navy uh, for a very short amount of time, which I don't let him forget, to be honest. <laughs> I come from a relatively sort of military background family. Me, me granddad was in the Marines. So, uh, you know, Newcastle, although it's, you know, it's up and coming place now, you know, putting loads of money into it at the time. It, you know, there wasn't that many opportunities there. I've always been relatively smart, you know, without blowing my own whistle. A's and B's, so GCSEs and stuff like that. But I wouldn't consider myself a, a natural academic. You know, I did have to work hard to get through, you know, to, to come out with good results at school. And I'm quite money motivated as well. So I had a couple of couple of jobs. I, I worked at Greg's, you know, I was out. I'm one of the McDonald's uh, guys as well. You know, most, most people in the military probably started off with McDonald's. And then, you know, I consider the military. And my dad, you know, was a big advocate of it from his upbringing so and that's why I sort of chose the RAF so mum once said to us you know deciding between the army and the RAF was you know the, the RAF will tell you how to do a job but you need to figure it out how, how to do it yourself whereas compared to the army they'll tell you how to do a job and then sorry they'll tell you to do a job and then they'll tell you how to do it um, and I wanted to be more of a think, thinking man sort of like military and that's why I steered towards the RAF rather than anything Nice so First unit was Lossy Mouth. What was that like? Because that's a, well, that's still a fair way up, and it? it's not. It's yeah, not I, I was said I didn't. I didn't want to go to Scotland. Um, and then obviously when you get your, your wish list, you put it down, and I think they'll just take my piss and they'll give us Scotland straight away. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't have changed it. It was a great camp. You know, the lads back home were saying what's it like, and the only way I could describe it because obviously you're in the sort of uh, the block with all the other suppliers. You know, you know yourself. It was like being at uni. In getting, you know, getting a good wage, but you you were getting like a um, a student loan every month, and you could just spunk it on whatever you wanted. <laughs> you know, I was, it was a massive drinking culture up at Lossie Mouth, but I think that helped us sort of get initiated into the military. You know, I've got a big believer of there's nothing better than getting to know a group of lads. You know, going out on the on the drink with them. So it was a really really sort of big drink culture up there. Loved it. Lots to do in the area. You know. Skiing, I went skiing up in the the Cairngorms, played rugby for the RAF. It was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. Didn't want to go up there, but I couldn't think of a better group of lads that were up there and better sort of camp for me first camp. Yeah, I mean, with that, you're going to have a lot of you know lads in the same boat because you are so far, you know, from from anyone's house usually. Um, <laughs> yeah, being up there, do you know what I mean, I, I can only assume that yeah, a lot of lads are not going home on a weekend, so you get that, you know, more sort of a you know family bond yeah 100 yeah like i'm from newcastle and it was still it took his it was a culture shock for me think like scotland newcastle edinburgh is an hour and a half so i thought ah, it won't be that bad it took us eight hours on the train to get up there yeah. it's like it's closer to norway than it is london i think so that was me first like whoa this is you know i'm, I'm far away from home yeah but yeah, yeah. you know credit the lads that were up there they really made us feel welcome and i, I think i did three and a half years there i loved every minute of it nice What's your sort of standout sort of memory of the RAF? What, you know, what was a part where you were like, you know, this is fucking boss, this is? Yeah, I, 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 I take stock. So all the way through my life, you know, I'm from a council estate in Newcastle. grew up, you know, relatively, you know, it was a good childhood. You know, I wasn't poor, but I wasn't, you know, we weren't rolling the money from a council estate. And I take stock all the way through my life. There'll be little moments where I sit back and I look at myself. I think I've actually done Aries. And, you know, one of them, I was on exercise, uh, chameleon, working with the SF. I think we were traveling back from St. Athen 
to um, back to Odium. So we're, we're jumping on a hook from St. Athen to Lehman. Or was it? Yeah, I think it was Lehman. And we're just in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we're watching the SF do, I don't know what they're called, rollaways, I think, um, where the hooks just touch down and then don't stop and then then head off again. Just sitting in the dark with all the techies. Um, and I think it was the Sengo. And one of the pilots, one of the Chinook pilots was there. And um, he just got an award for something that would happen in Afghan. And he just whipped out a bottle of champagne and loads of little flutes. So I'm sitting in the dead of night watching these SF lads just do rollaways. And I'm just drinking champagne. And I was thinking, well, what's this? This is bizarre. But, you know, that was one of their moments where I sat back and went, none of my mates back home will be doing this. You know, none of them would even have dreamt of this. So that was, you know, a reflection moment for me to think, this is just pretty cool. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, there is them them little yeah the little moments that you have your time on uh, the Baltic region on uh, HMS Ocean. Mm-hmm. What was that like serving with a with the Navy boys? It's a bit different. Like, yeah, I, I really didn't want to go on it. <laughs> to be honest with you, I get I, I get seasick on the on the ferry to the Isle of Man. You know, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not good on on uh, on sea vessels. Um, so I got seasick straight away. First day, pretty much, I went to the med deck. Um, and I was like, listen, I'm man down here. I, I need some help. And they were like, it's too late. You're supposed to take like the tablets and stuff before you get on. So you just got to write it out. And we're, I was on it for a month. So I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, now, you know, the Navy lads, good bunch of lads, a lot different to the RAF. Um, again, something that springs to mind. They do, you know, man overboard and all that. Um, and they've got to shout it through the pipe or the tannoy is what we would call it. And I was outside just trying to get signal. Like there was no signal. I don't think I spoke to my wife for for three weeks which is fantastic no, I don't. Um, and <laughs> in the um one one of the navy lads come out chucked a dummy overboard just looked at us and was like man overboard and i was supposed to like shout that until it was piped and i just went nah me i'm in the rough <laughs> i just i just walked away i was like nah i'm not getting i'm this game <laughs> that was it no repercussions whatsoever i just went back to me bunk that was it Nice. Was it so, so? How did that come about then? Why were you Why were you tasked to be with them? With the Navy, I was down Odium at the time working with the Chinooks, um, and I think they were doing some, I don't know, some exercise in Norway or, or that region. So I think, to be fair, I think that um, surprisingly enough, I think they went US and around about like Geneva or something. So they got all the pilots and the techies got to go on the piss for like a week in Geneva. So that that's how it came about. It was like a, a three week to to a month tour going around the Baltics. Obviously, as a supplier, I was in charge of the serviceability of the Chinooks, and that's that's what it was. I've always felt like a bit of a fraud because I did nine years in the RAF, never got a medal, never went to Afghan. I'm not a war dodger, but uh, you know that's that's what it sort of comes across as. I did the Falcons and stuff, but the standout ones for me were California. Absolutely fantastic. I was so, so privileged to do that twice, especially. How just, long are you there for? Uh, first, yeah, I was there two months. Um, second, yeah, I was there a month. But we've got loads of downtime. Obviously, it's beautiful. Like I think for the first, the first two when I was there, the, the US Marines were there, and they, they must have. I was it's El Central where we were, and it was really close to Mexico, but it was, it's California, and they must have thought it was like the shittest camp in the world. Whereas the the rough lads were like, this is the best camp I've ever been to. So they're not used to like, yeah, you know, being a prize. Pissing in the sink in the corner of your, of your transit block, you know what I mean? <laughs> they were, 
uh, when I got there, me, me sergeant, oh, the food's not too good. Literally, first day I was there, they had uh, lobster. And I was like, I thought he's okay. But now it was really, really good. So I enjoyed every minute of it. Went to Vegas on the weekend. Um, it was like Labor Day weekend over there. So I said, right, lads, down tools for four days. Rented a Mustang with a couple of lads. I just drove to Vegas and spoke to Army Night Shift Bay. Fantastic. Nice. So while you're at, so was that the first time you'd ever been to America, was it? Yeah, and the last. I've never been back, well, other than, you know, I've been with the military. But, um, yeah, the, the first time I ever went over there. I loved it. I'm a bit of a redneck at heart, you know, so I'm into my country music. I mean, so as soon as I got there, they give us a, a big Dodge Ram truck. And I was just bopping around listening to the country radio and my Dodge Ram. I was like, this is me, this a bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sounds it. Um, and then you've done Minad. Minad, it was my last tour. I think I had, like... Seven months left in the RAF. I'm surprised the centers because I was doing NAFAL for the last six months. You know, you sell when you're coming out, yeah. you just don't do it. Um, so it was like, I think I was every three or four weeks. Um, it was like ISO container, um, sort of inventory checking. Uh, it was the most boring job in the world, but it was in Dubai, so it couldn't really complain. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. What about you downtown there? Did you get any, get much time off or? No, it's a, again, it was a dry camp. Um, some bathing was probably the only thing I did there, to be honest. Um, got to go into Dubai a couple of times, but again, massively dry camp. Um, so couldn't really enjoy the, um, the the lifestyle out there too much. But no, it was good. I, th- I was big into the gym at the time, which I'm not now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was big at the gym at the time. So loads of t- it's, it was an Australian camp, Minad. So um, again, the food was great. They, they did like Australia Day over there. It was it, that was a, it was a good experience, shite job over there, but you know the experience itself. Again, another one to tick off to see. I've beaten Dubai. That was a good, a good one. Yeah. So, what was your best tour? Um, is in UK tour or um or overseas or any any? I I probably go back to Lossy Mouth. Well, I wouldn't go back to Lossy Mouth if that makes sense, but. Lossy was just, you know, it was the camaraderie that I felt there. It was absolutely fantastic. And every camp that I went to after that, it just couldn't live up to that. You know, I went, after Lossy, I went down to Odium. Again, good group of lads. My life, my life sort of changed throughout it. I was a young bachelor when I went at Lossy. So, again, big drinking culture. I was out all the time. I had money on my hip. But then going down to Odium, I was with me, me now wife, so, you know, your life changes a bit. Um, and then by the time I got to Whitrin, I knew I was coming out the raft. So, and Whitrin's a bit of a commuter camp anyway. So there wasn't much going on there. It was just literally go, do your work, go home. But again, the overseas to us, Falcons, as much as I didn't really want to go to the Falcons either, that was a fantastic ex- experience. Um, you know, seeing the, the penguins and stuff. It's something that, you know, that, you know, at the time I probably didn't appreciate. But thinking back now, how, how, people pay literally thousands of pounds to go to the Falcon Islands yeah. and see like penguins and stuff like that. Um, first time on a, in a helicopter I was over in there. So it's just, you know, I could sit and spin dits with you for all night. Um, but it's it's one of them things, it's, it's a tick box. Yeah, I've done that, I've done that. Yeah. And I always compare it to, you know, when I come home and I see the lads that, you know, I'm, you know, my day one mates from back in the day, and what he's been up to, oh, I went to the pub and did this. I'm thinking, I've done this, you know, I'd, without sounding like a knob and trying to like yeah. brag. And you think you've made life so much more enriched through the military and the things, the, the experiences I've had through the military. Uh, it's, it's, I look back on it with, with fond, fond memories. Going back to what you were saying before, I think I've, I missed a lot in my life by joining the RAF, but I've gained more, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you started a company, a recruitment company, and you called it Ad Astra. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why'd you call it Ad Ash? Well, <laughs> well, as we, as you well know, um, obviously the RAF's motto is "Per Adu Ad Astra," roughly translated from Latin to um, "Through Adversity to the Stars." So, um, I think it was a little bit sort of. I just come with the the RAF really within sort of a year, year and a half. So you know, it was still a big thing in my mind. Um, and I just thought it was a perfect name for a recruitment company. I even had the tagline. I had a slogan saying, we'll bring the stars to you, you know, finding talent and stuff like that. So I think it linked in quite well. And to be honest, when I was in the rough, I've, my brother's always been quite a success, successful businessman. And I've always wanted to sort of live up to that myself. So even through the RAF, I thought if I ever have a company, I'll probably call it Ad Astra. You know, one of these things where you grow up, you think before you've had a child, you know what the name's going to be. It was one of them sort of things where if I ever had a company of my own, I'll probably call it something Ad Astra. Just a little nod to me time in the RAF. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was good. When obviously you sent it over and I was reading through and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, you're wanker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bit keen, <laughs> yeah. As you mentioned about your, you know, your Ad Astra, what sort of, you know, what was the driving force behind that? Because obviously, when you left the RAF as a, as a stacker to recruitment, that's a just, you know, that's two different ball game. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I didn't want to do logistics, and I know that's stupid because that's what I've just been trained to do for the last nine years, and I knew that was where the money was at. But I just thought I'm leaving the RAF to you know come home start a family um i wanted i wanted a sort of fresh start if that makes sense um and i, I wanted again recruitment you know to run and join my household i'm a social butterfly and i think that would probably transpire quite well into in recruitment working with people trying to be a bit of a people person so i wanted to get into recruitment and so i did a, an hr course for me resettlement not really strictly recruitment but it was the closest thing that you've got to recruitment and luckily enough me my brother actually lined us up with a job an internal recruitment job uh, working for his company which was a, an energy consultancy so i was quite fortunate to fall on my feet there and not knowing anything about recruitment generally internal recruitment is something that you work towards you do your sort of 360 recruitment you know hitting the phones it's very much a sales job actually and then you go into an internal rec- recruitment after you've got the experience well you know i was quite in a privileged position i went straight into internal recruitment but yeah it was a, it was a massive it was a massive change for us but you know i did quite well there so just to give you a gist of sort of how my career went. So I started working for the energy consultancy in, in internal recruitment, not knowing anything about recruitment really. Within the space of six months, got promoted to the global head of recruitment for, for said company. So I had, I think it was six, six officers that I was in charge of, including Singapore, USA, France, uh, Newcastle, Leeds. Obviously did quite well there. And I just got to a point where I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to work for the man anymore. Um, so I thought I'd go and start my own thing up again. I've I've always had a bit of a, well, I always thought I'd have a little, little bit of an entrepreneurial flair, something I wanted to do. And I just thought, you know, I would always regret it if I didn't go and try it, at least try it. So hence why I sort of left that company, went to start my own recruitment company up, doing the exact same thing. I was lucky enough to make a lot of connections during that time period when I was working for that company so straight away I had clients did, did a lot of business development went and got other clients on board but you know hit the ground running straight away um I think my first in my first week I made four grand profit and I was like right that's a bit of me this like I was <laughs> I was like happy days uh, I was doing really well uh, I was getting clients ringing us up asking you know for my services and then COVID hit and then it was just absolutely ground to a halt obviously a lot of my uh, clients were sales 
staff at sales companies. And obviously when COVID hit, they were just like, we're not recruiting. So at that time I had turn in the road. What do I do? Do I try and keep doing this? I did try and diversify a little bit and I got a, um, a care home group on my books and I started trying to rec- uh, recruit for care nurses and stuff like that. Uh, but the market was so saturated up here. And in the end, I just thought, I can either keep flogging this dead horse and, you know, I've, I've still got your mortgage payments don't stop just because of COVID, you know. So I was like, I need to do something. So luckily, I saved a bit of money up, had about a month off just to regroup. And then I went back into recruitment working for another company. And that was the end of Ad Astra. <laughs> Short lived, but fun at the time. Nice. So how long did how long did that last for then, Ad Astra total? Um, I'd say between so about eight months in total trading. So from sort of leaving previous companies, starting the company up itself, you know, I literally did everything. So I was, you know, people that start companies up generally all everything. So I was a finance director. I was a marketing director. I was, you know, I was the business development manager. I was everything. Um, so, you know, probably a couple of weeks, I even created the website myself. Um, did literally everything from, from ground zero. I think a lot of people were expecting me brother to sort of help us out a lot. Um, because you know of the success that he's he's had in the past, and I, I actually made it a, a, an effort to separate myself from that. So I know people probably would assume that he'd helped us out financially, or he was, you know, backing it. And he did actually offer to help, and I said no, because because people are going to think you've helped. I don't want them to. to, to I want to do this myself. Um, you never know if I took his <laughs> took his help, we might still be going now. But you know, I'm probably in a better place than I would if if I kept that going. So I've got no regrets really. Yeah, it's it's funny though, isn't it? How how your perception of what people would think has meant that your pride has said, yeah. "I'm good." Even though, you know, if it had been someone else or you know, a, just a random financial backer, you, you'd have probably bit mm. around. I think, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll bring you on. Board. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think that, that I did actually consider it at one point, and then I think we're having a comment. I was at my mum dad's, um, and I remember him saying, "He was like, listen, no one, I'll you know, I'll give you the money. We can get an office. We, you know, we can take what you've done now, and we can excel that. You know, I know with your work ethic, it's going to be a success. And you know, I'll come on board as a as a co-owner. Um, and I'm saying, what's the crack? He says, listen, I'll you keep 49. percent I'll 51. percent I says, well, what would you do for that 51? percent He was like, just make sure you you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I was like, nah. <laughs> it's like straight away I was like nah this is this is my company this is my baby I've made it from scratch although yes your funds will come in very handy and we can progress the company I just I don't I'd rather have you know I'd rather have 100% control of something that I've that I've made yeah so obviously you said then like you 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 know you started it up, up yourself um what would you sort of how would you if if just say like so I'm coming to you because I want to start a company Owen, what what should I do? I'm you know I've got no idea how to start. Who do I need to speak to? What do I need to do to start a company? I want to call it Jack the Lad Podcast Limited. What how yeah. how can I do that and start trading, and making money? Yeah, I think I think the first thing you sort of need to do is, and sit down and try and work out financially that it's not going to cripple you. Um, you know, put to yourself that you're not going to make money for the first however many months. You know, don't go into it naive. You can do as much prep as you can, as, as you want and, you know, you create your own business plan thing by, you know, quarter two, I'm going to be making this. That all goes out the window. You know, you've got the amount of expenditure there. I would say keep expenditure as, as little as possible. You know, I've, I've known 
lads that have went out and started their own companies and they've went and bought things like the best office, they've went and bought the best computers. You know, they've done it for six months and they're under. Uh, because when I started, I, I, I was lucky enough, I'd just bought a new house and it had an office in it. So, you know, I, I didn't have that expenditure there. Um, I had an opportunity to take staff on. I didn't want to do that. One, I didn't want to sort of dilute the brand because everyone that was working with me, i.e. the client, was working with me you know it wasn't working with someone that i've got on board um so there's lot lots of things that you it's try not to be naive like go and do the research before you even think about it go and see what the legality side of it you know you've got your company's house uh you've got that set up you've got to go and then set up bank accounts and so it it's a hard slog to even get off the ground um you know a lot of people have these fly-by-night ideas and think i want to do this i'm going to do that i'm not trying to put people off at all i think you know you know if if you've if you've got a, a an idea and you, and you want to run with it do it because you will regret it later down the line if you don't do it but sit down and and take weeks months if, if needs be to really sit down and, and work out a, a plan of action i actually sat down and worked out like right this by this time i want to be at this point by this point i even get i give myself a launch date um and that's what i work towards um so that that's a the best probably a bit of advice I would give is sit down and, you know, there's that whole thing, you know, measure twice, cut once, isn't it? Um, I, w- I would, that's probably the advice I would give. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so when you've obviously, so from Ad Astra going under, or, you know, obviously with, with the pandemic hitting, so you've gone back mm-hmm. to, did you go back to your brother's company? Would you go to? No, I went to a, a, a different company. Um, the same industry, exactly the same job. I didn't go. I didn't go in as a manager this time. Literally spoke to one of the lads um, that I knew from that previous company that had went to this company, um, and I just reached out. I said, "Listen, mate, is, is any, you got any recruitment jobs going? It doesn't have to be a manager's job." So he was the head of training um, in like um, employee welfare, and I was the head of recruitment. So we worked really, really close to each other. So he went into this other role at a, at a manager level. Um, and I said, listen, doesn't even have to be a manager's job, you know, as long as the salary's there or thereabouts for us, I'd, you know, I just need a, need a steady income, you know, if I've I've got a mortgage to pay, you know, I've got bills to pay. And to, to be quite honest with you, as much as I really enjoyed that Astra side of it, it was very lonely. Uh, you know, I was working from home. Um, I had to, even in the mornings, I would have to get up and put a suit on. I would be sitting in my office at home, but I'd put a suit on just to put my mindset in of work. You know, I remember one day I, I woke up in the morning by the by 10 o'clock, I made a grand. And just, I'd gone back to bed. So, because I could, I'd made a grand in like an hour. Um, so, I, and I, I like office environment. I like going in and be like, you know, morning, Barbara. I like all of that. So, and, and that's what I was really looking forward to getting back into, you know, being the social side of it and actually making a, as much as I'd asked her, I said I could make good money, but it, you know I could go weeks without making money or months without making money. When the money came in, it was good. Um, but that's that's the pitfalls of being self-employed, I guess. You know, I was quite looking forward to getting back in a regular regular income, really, and that's hence why I went back into recruitment for another energy consultancy. How come you chose to go to a different one then, and not back to <clears throat> back to where your brother was, or is your, had your brother already moved on? Yeah. Uh, my brother had actually left, so I, I, I left that company and went and set my own, in that sort of interim period, he'd left and sort of semi-retired, actually. Um, he owns a couple of restaurants and his passion's cooking, so he went and bought two restaurants to cook. Yeah, I think I, I think I just moved on a little bit um, and, you know, the, the offer came from them. So 
after I'd sort of reached out, uh, uh, um, reached out to them, they were like, yeah, come in for an interview. And then as soon as I went in, I got the job. I knew I'd got it. So, uh, And I, I knew a couple of guys over there that had sort of migrated from the original company and they said how good it was and stuff. So you know, I, I took their advice on board and it was. It was fantastic when I got there, to be honest. So I did over a, just under a year there and then obviously moved on to the, the McCann property side. Yeah, so you've just touched on it there. Uh, so, yeah, so what was then after that? So you come into the McCann, McCann... Okay, I'm probably so, yeah. So this is obviously what I'm doing now. Uh, one of many things I'm doing now. Um, so whilst I was working at the energy consultancy, my mum and dad have always been in the property. Um, you know they've had a two or three in their portfolio, and then my brother, it had he wanted to put his money into property. Um, so he again, with help from my mum and dad, bought like one or two. So there's like probably two or three in the portfolio at the time. Um, and he said, listen, no one, I I, I want to you know, make this my main sort of source of income. I want you to come aboard full time as a director. Um, he even said it was one day, he said, you know, before you, I, you were, I seen you do what you did for Ad Astra. He says, I would have never even thought about bringing you on as a director, but I, I seen your work, work ethic. And he's seen as, you know, even when I worked from, for the previous consultancy, I was always like last one out of the office and stuff. So I think he's seen that work ethic and, and he knows I'm relatively switched on. So he said, listen, come on board as a director. And we'll, we'll get it off the ground and coming in it was a bit of a hard slog it's a family business you know me my dad and my brother the directors of the business but me a lot of the stuff was very like old world so looking through the the processes you know it was my dad's handwritten notes on bits of paper and stuff so i think my job in in the start was really just setting up processes um you know making it a legit company rather than going from you know you know mr mccann's house houses to let you know, we created McCann Property Limited where, you know, it's, it's we've got about 40, 40 properties now within the Northeast. Um, portfolios in excess of £4 million. Um, so, and we've done that within the last year, pretty much, um, without sounding like a knob since I've came on board. Um, you know, we've, we've managed to try, you know, professionalise the company a little bit um, and build a bit of a reputation up within the area. Yeah. So, what, what are, <laughs> it's one of my questions, actually. Um um, my question is, how did the McCann properties expand so fast? Just Owen McCann. Owen McCann came in like a whirlwind and just sorted it all. No, and, <laughs> and just shook everything up. <laughs> yeah. No, in, in all seriousness, um, again, we were quite in a privileged position that we had money there um, without going into it too much. Me, again, my brother's quite a successful man in his own right. So I think, to be honest, I think it's down to sort of the agility of, of the company. So we don't have a, a board of directors that we need to go to and, you know, making changes or buying properties. It's literally, my dad, my dad goes, who's the, he's an investment director. So literally he'll go, right. I found this property. My brother will go, yeah, he'll give him the money. He'll buy it. And then it gets passed over at me. I'll get one maintenance team out. We'll get it smashed. Like, we'll get it sorted and we'll get it left. It's, it's, it's so, it's a quick turnaround. Um, probably, yeah, a lot quicker than, than most sort of landlords or most um, sort of property. We're a property investment company more than anything. So I think it's mainly down to that, to, to be totally honest with you. It's good that you could be uh, modest and take a step back on that. <laughs> so what with, uh, obviously you've touched on it that, you know, you've got a daughter. Yeah. How has your outlook on life and the future sort of changed uh, with that? And was that sort of in part to do with why you, 
you know, with the Ad Astra. Uh, what, what was the timeline between Ad Astra finishing and then you having your daughter? Um, probably about a year. So there, there was them. Yeah, there was some time there. Yeah. Um, All right. Because I didn't know, obviously, from from what you'd sent over your notes and stuff, whether it was a yeah. You know, you needed to make sure that steady income was there because. You know that was in the pipeline. Yeah, well, like you say, as I alluded to before, I'd I'd bought a house around about the same time as I started at Astra, so you know mortgage payments don't stop for for no man. So I really, yeah, I could have just cracked on and, and tried to keep it keep it going, but um, it, again, we, I came out the raft to move up back in the the, the Graceland, back up in Newcastle to to start a family. Um, so it was always something there. Um, so I, to in the back of my mind it was i need you know a steady steady stream of income there so as much as it probably dented me me um me ego a little bit and thought i don't want to fail in anything no one what sets out to fail so you know as much as it dented me ego thinking if i'll leave at astra i failed you know and that's how i see it um i need to do this to prep for having a, a kid eventually you know what i mean yeah but you you know you you get that from people it's only going to be the sort of you know, the people that have never tried that are going to say anything about that. Do you know what I mean? Without failure, there's no success. Mm. Um, you've got to, you know, you've got to put your face in the dirt a few times before you can, you know, hold it high. Yeah, so, definitely. yeah, I mean, yeah, hat off to you for that. Like, do you know what I mean? To come out of the, you know what I mean? Come out of the raft and, 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 and go in a completely different direction to, to what you were doing in the raft. It, yeah, it's admirable. And, uh, and yeah, like hat off to you. And obviously without the pandemic, you could have, you know, it might have been different, but you know, as it is, it's you know, it seems to be working out quite well. Yeah, it's now. one of them things. It's probably a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, I, I probably I wouldn't have been in a position to be on board with the property side of it if I was still running the recruitment company. So, again, looking back, it's probably a blessing in disguise that I'm not going to say COVID's a blessing, but you know that that situation came about so that i went back into full-time employment so i was i was able to then be sort of plucked from that and then entrusted within sort of setting up and running the operations for this company yeah yeah it's yeah it's, it's like i say it's the stars aligned so they're pretty well for you there to be honest so obviously off the back of the um mccann mccann's properties uh we've now got Vesta Estates. Yes, yeah, so the new big name in uh, property in the South Tyneside market, mate. Um, yeah, so yeah, off the back of McCann Properties, we're in the process of creating a, an estate agency brand from scratch, really. Um, you know, we know it's going to be a success. We've got you know financial button there. I think the our biggest USP is we are landlords ourselves. Um, you know, we we've done it successfully for the last however many years. So we know what landlords want. We know the the problems that landlords encounter. I've actually, um, so through McCann Properties, we own all of our properties out, outright. We don't generally let for other people through that banner, through McCann Properties. Um, other than one lad, actually, I don't know if you know him. Do you know Russell Newman? No. He used to be in the rough. No. Um, I actually let his property out for him. Um, so he's, he's an ex-stacker in the rough. Um, he came to us and said, listen, Owen, I've got a property up in the uh, northeast um obviously i've seen all this stuff i know you from back in the day would you rent it out for us and i was like yeah no problem mate obviously it was a learning curve for me i, I was upfront with him i said we've done this with our portfolio i've never done it for anyone else um so you know bear with us you know it might be a bit of a learning curve for both when he said no i trust you um and he's thinking about buying an, an, a second property and letting us and let us manage it it's when 
swimmingly for both of us. So um, I think it's probably off the back of that success where I thought, you know, we can we can do this. We we can go out and make that the the aim to do it for other people. So we wanted to create a new banner, a new a new brand. Hence why the Vesta came about. We've just got a brand new office in South Shields and West Oak Crown. I was the inspiration behind the uh, <laughs> behind the uh, decorative sort of thing. They keep on calling uh, Lawrence Llewellyn Owen. That's the nickname I've got. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it looks nice. It's it's really it's really um, it's really well done. Um, so we're, we're, we've got a couple of manpower sort of um, appointments to make in the next couple of weeks, but we'll we'll be ready to rock and roll. Again, keeping the McCann property side because that's what bread and butter. Um, we've got the maintenance team, we've got the, the infrastructure there. We just need to bring a couple of basically we're bringing an estate agent on board um, who I'll oversee, and then they're going to do the lettings and estates sort of selling for um, for people of the South Tyneside area. All right, nice. So you keeping it within a sort of set distance or? Yeah, generally. Um, our sort of bread and butter is sort of South Shields and Sunderland. I'm from Newcastle, but um, that's that's generally where we've got our properties, mainly because my brother, the manager director, lives in that area, so it's just easier for him. But, uh, you know, that's we work on yields generally. So, you know, we'll go out, we'll buy a property knowing we're going to get so much for it when we let it out, depending on how much work we get, uh, have to do on it. Um, in that market over there, that the prices of, of uh, properties is is where we want to sort of be. So we've, I've had to really be really selective on the person or type of person I'm getting in to be the estate agent side of it, because one, they're going to be the first investor and two, I, I need them to have a really, really good sort of market knowledge of, of the South Tyneside area. There is talk of um, possibly, you know, when it when it's a success, I know it's going to be a success, um, having a branch close to myself. I'm doing about 1,200 miles a month at the minute. Um, so, you know, just traveling over to, to the new office. So ideally for me, you know, again, going back to the sort of work-life balance, ideally for me, I'll want a branch over my end in, in Newcastle. Again, diversifying the portfolio a little bit, not another market for it. So that's what I can see in the next, so a year to a year and a half, possibly getting another branch. Obviously, let's walk uh, before we can run, get that South Tyneside branch up and running and profitable and then move on over to, to Newcastle with another branch. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's good. You, you, you know, like, isn't it? Ad Astra. Aim for the sky. <laughs> um, and then uh, we've got, obviously, the... One of one of the sort of well, not one of like with, within your sort of success as well. Obviously, you've you've joined your local motorcycle club. Yeah, so I'm part of the the Badlanders MCC. Um, so we're a local motorcycle club within South South Shields. Lads have been I've been in about a year and a half, been promoted up to treasurer of the club. It's really enjoyable, you know. Again, I know you're going to lead on to why did I join? So I thought I'd jump in there straight away. Um, I'm ex-military, as you know. Um, I think most people in bike clubs are ex-military. I think that that's where bike clubs started, you know, in America and Canada and stuff like that. The, a little bit of history for you. They, they started bringing back Harleys from after the war and they were cheap. They were cheap to run around. And I think, you know, if if you've been in certain circumstances or, you know, engaged in war, you're always looking for that next thrill. So I think that the, a lot of the, the U S guys were buying up these bikes on the cheap and then just, um, you know, going out and 
yeah, some of them did sort of, sort of terrorising people. <laughs> but uh, that's where the, the club scene started in, in America. Um, and again, most of the lads are knocked about with over here. It's a massive club scene up in the northeast. Um, a majority of them are probably ex-military because of the camaraderie and, and stuff like that. I only ask because I I know of I've got a couple of my a lad I used to um, train in uh, mixed martial arts with. He's he's part of one of the um, clubs. Around it. I'm going to get him on as well, to be fair, because he's had a bit of a wild... He's, he was ex-infantry, um, but he's a no, okay. wild cat. He's, yeah, he's off the Richter. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just something that's... It's just outside of the norm. Do you know what I mean? Like I say, that I, I know you and him, and then I sort of know this fella that I go to the gym with. I, you know, I say hi to him and that, but I don't know him, but he's Hell's Angels. Do you know what I mean? He's got all the yeah. gear on. He wears his Nomad yeah. T-shirt and all that. Uh, tattooed. Yeah. To the gills, like he's got all his head done. He's yeah, he's, do you know what I mean? But and yeah. but still, that's still only three people out of do you know what I mean? Like 10,000 people that I know or have ever met in my life. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, still yeah. such a small percentage of people. Um, and yeah, and it just fascinates mm-hmm. me that you know, there is that because you, you know, you get the yeah, the you, you get the sort of the glitz and glamour of like you know, Sons of Anarchy where they're showing you know, all that side <laughs> of it. And I think that would be to a lot of people, that's how they would just associate how you would be because that's that's what's on the tv i mean that's what's on netflix yeah actually going going on from that um you know i i was trying to think of a a, you know a story to tell you something that i could tell you live on (laughs) but you know i've i've never experienced discrimination before in my whole life until i joined a bike club and the, you know, as I've always been, I was brought up around bikes. My dad's been a biker, is a biker. My brother's a biker. I'm the only one that's ever been in the club. You know, it, yeah, I am tattooed. Yes, I do have a beard, <laughs> but I'm also a director of a company. You know, I'm, I'm a homeowner. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a husband. You know, I'm not a reprobate. Um, and I was going into a, a, a cafe with a couple of lads again. My chairman's got tattoos all over his head. We went in with we cuts on, you know, patches on my backs. Uh, went in, it was dead. There was hardly anyone in. Uh, walked in, looked up and down, went, oh, sorry, lads, we're full. I was like, you're joking. I can see behind you, they wouldn't, you're not. But, oh, we're, we're getting we're getting a big uh, group in. And it was like, right. So, and then I walked away from that and I was like, that's the first time I've ever felt, you know, that I've been discriminated in my life. And I was like, it was, it, I took it quite hard, actually. I was like, I took it, it, took it to heart. And I was like, you know, there's not a day about it. I just think the most genuine people you'll ever meet are bikers in, in, in any shape or form. You know, the, the lads in the, in the in the club that you just mentioned there, Um, you know, they do a lot for charity. You know, I've actually, there's a, there's a good thing on Facebook I've seen. It was like, you know, obviously Glastonbury and most of them, you know, hippies, flower power and, and all that. And the way they left the field after, after the Glastonbury compared to after a motorbike rally, um, you know, after a motorbike rally, it's absolutely desolate. There's nothing there. All the all the the uh, rubbish has been took away. There's no tents left. You know, bikers for the most part are really really respectful people, and to to be face to face with discrimination like that because of the way I looked, I was just like a bit taken aback. You know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've I've never really, yeah, obviously for me personally, I've I've never I've never experienced any. Um, any no, not that I can think of it anyway. Not yeah, don't think so. But yeah, but I'm yeah, I'm sort of you know middle of the road sort of a guy. Do you know what I mean? I've got a few tattoos, but nothing you know, nothing <laughs> outrageous. And if I got a shirt on, I you know you can't see any of them. But yeah, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Just from what you're wearing, basically. 
because it's only because you got that cut on. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, but the, the, the other lads in the club, you know, we've got business owners, we've got you know pro- pro- professional guys. I think as soon as you put that cut on and you rock up in a Harley, people just think, oh, I'm gonna get stabbed. <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth, you know what I mean? So, um, I think it's a to the most part, it's it's you know it's a it's a small minority of people that would think that way. Um, for for the most part, you know, when I'm out on the, with the lads on the bike and wear me cut, it's a conversation starter. People come up and chat you all all day long, you know. Um, so I say for the most part, it's it's taken with in in good um in good standing. Um, it's just the odd sort of time, the odd look you get, and you're thinking. Not wrong with this. I'm just, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> so on that then, like with, with, well, while we're talking on that, like where, where do you see the MC headed? Yeah. So I think we want to grow. I think we've lost a lot of members one reason or the other in the, in, in the last few years, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm happy with, with the way it's going. I'm happy with the, the group of lads we've got, um, you know, we'll meet every, every week. Um, we we ride every every weekend. You know, we're out. We're rain, snow. We're we're not fair weather bikers. Like you know, we're we're out all the time. We want to do a couple of European tours. That's that's a big thing for for me this coming year. Getting a, getting abroad. Um, we went down to Ride of the Wall, which is a big um, military ride. Actually, it's like ten thousand bikes went down. Um, so I got a little taste of riding. I've always ridden in big groups, um, so that that doesn't mind us, that doesn't bother us. But I wanted to get abroad with them, so I know they went to Paris a couple of years ago. So I want to try and do that, get a, get abroad on the bikes. Um, obviously, uh, the charity side of it's a big thing for us. Um, I just I was sitting down actually with the old the ex chairman the other day, and we're going through um, how much money the clubs actually made for charity in the last ten years, and it's I, I worked out it's a hundred grand we've made for char- just our club, hundred thousand pound we've made for ex-military charities over the last 10 years nice. just through our, our charity work so that's that's something we want to keep going so we run something called Bent Park uh, in South Shields it's on forces day we obviously we couldn't do it unfortunately last year due to Covid but we should be on, on for it this year it's a big event the HA come um, there's stalls you know there's motorbike shows and stuff like that and, and as a club we solely run that and I think pretty much every year we make 10 to 15 grand for charity pretty much every year and that's split between sort of support our soldiers do a lot for help for heroes um, our clubhouse is actually the Rafa club over in South Shields so I'm never too far from uh, Rafa memorabilia um, so again charity is a big thing for us Um so we want to continue that in 2022. Yeah, nice, good. I was, that was that's that's sort of on to my next question actually about the, the charity events coming up. So, um, what what else is uh, Mr. McCann up to at the minute? Well, trying to juggle, to try to juggle my life. Um, I, I, I'm trying to get into hill walking, it, but and, and I'm actually I'm climbing the Cheviot next week. <laughs> Weather depending, I know we've got storms brewing at the minute. Um, it's all right, you're not a fair weather walker, are you? No, not not a fair weather biker, but I might be a fair weather walker. Um, I, I don't know. I've got I've got a lot on, but I think it, it hit is really hard when I when I first came out of the military. I started it was about a year and a half after, and I hadn't done any phase at all um, and I, I went to play five-side football with a lad at a local um, sort of ghouls and I was knackered like, I was like oh, I don't know how me fitless level just dropped so much I've never been that fit but you know 
I've always passed my fitness test in the rough and uh, it just hit us so hard. I was like, I'm so unfit. And to be honest, I haven't done much to improve it. And I thought, oh, I'll go and climb a mountain. So that's that's me. <laughs> Next week, there's about five were in true own McCann style. I thought, ah, I'm not going to mess about with these Munros or these small things. I'm going to get myself straight up a mountain. So I went, I bought all the gear. Um, and then we'll see. We'll see if I manage it <laughs> next week. But uh, if it's a, if it's something enjoyable, I want to really get into it. You know, I've, I've, we've been talking about doing Snowden and stuff like that. So maybe this time next year, year after, we might do three peaks, something like that. If you speak to us next week, I might say I am absolutely not doing that. If uh, if I have a shocker, so we'll see. We'll see if I enjoy it or not. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I've, I've recently I've, I signed up to a triathlon. Oh, really? Christmas Eve. We were sort of talking about it, my stepbrother and uh, my stepbrother-in-law. Uh, they're both sort of keen runners and triathlons and all the rest of it. And yeah, I'd sort of been talking to my dad about it. And I was like, because I've, I've been out of shape, like since I left the RAF, the same, but like, I've not really done much fizz. I got like really out of shape. I was pushing sort of 17 stone. And I was like, I, I hit 17 and that's what got me. I was like, I need to lose some I need beefly. to rein this back in a bit. Yeah, and we were just chatting about it. And yeah, and he was like, oh, I've signed up to a, I signed up to a um, an Olympic distance triathlon, which is one and a half k swim, forty k bike ride, then a ten k run. I was like, I can do that. I mean, six <laughs> like he was like, doing it in June, so I was like, six months I'll be able to do that. No worries. So like, sort of, I was a couple of beers in. Not, I weren't, you know, pissed up, but I was a couple of beers in. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'll sign up to it now. Can't back out of it then. I said, and that date's going to come, whether I do the training or not. Or not. And uh, yeah, and I've, I've been smashing it to be fair. I'm two stone down. I was going to say, yeah, your face looks a lot skinnier than last time I seen you. Like. Yeah. So yeah, just, but, and my, my new running trainers turned up today, which is a little, <laughs> little, yeah, peach, but. I bet they're yeah. dead fast. I bet they're dead fast. I bet they are, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, I, was, I, was, I was using sort of like my, you know, like gym trainers. So I just have these like, yeah. Under Armour gym trainer things and yeah. Just, silver, silver shirts. Just running on them, just running on them constantly and that. It was like, yeah, I don't know. Just, it didn't, I don't know. It doesn't feel you know, quite right, like running on in running yeah. trainers. So yeah, got them purchased and they'll, they'll shave some seconds off. But yeah, I went for a dip yeah. in the sea yesterday as well, um, which was, yeah, well, I don't know. I think it was more stupid, to be honest. <laughs> I was looking at it because obviously I've got to do open water swimming. I got myself a wetsuit and all that. And uh, yeah, having a look. So I was going to go in on, uh, I was going to go in on Friday because I was off work and I was going to, and then obviously we're like storming that and it was, I went to the Coast Guard speaking to them and they were like, well, I'd advise against it, mate, to be honest. And I was like, all right, what about tomorrow? And they were like, well, he's looking a bit calmer tomorrow. He said, you wouldn't catch me in it because it's like five degrees in there. But if you want to crack on, do you know what I mean? There's no weather warnings or anything like that for Saturday. So I was like, all right, yeah. So add a little, add a little dip in there. I weren't in there long, I'll give you that. I was in there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't feel my hands, my feet were gone, yeah. um, everything. And yeah, but I, it was just sort of for me, like I I feel like I've got a bit too comfortable in life and I need mm. some adversity just to, do you know what I mean? So I was like, I'm going in this and walking up to the beat, I was, it was freezing. Do you know what I mean? The wind was cutting through my wetsuit. I was like, yeah. it's, I'm freezing now. I ain't even in the water. And there's like my yeah. and my boy all wrapped up, like, you know, hats on, gloves on, massive coats. <laughs> And there's me just wetsuit and fucking fingers and toes out. Do you know what I mean? And my fucking, <laughs> and my, um, yeah, my shiny hat and that. But yeah, oh, yeah. mate, it was horrible. It I, th- was I horrible. think you need you need to do stuff like that, you know. I think just for your own sanity and your own mental health, don't you? Just getting out there and, 
and doing something out of the norm you know yeah this came out of a conversation maybe mate were having the other day i was like i, I want to get in i've done like a couple of like small routes up here probably last year the year before and i thought yeah fuck, i'm just gonna go and climb a mountain so the chief is <laughs> an actual mountain that's like 800 meters high um so i was like i'm just gonna do it need training just you know luckily i've probably i hope there's no one listening from the from the <laughs> from the rap but i've got lots of stuff from her majesty's forces that i can use <laughs> yeah. that I've, uh, to, uh, acquired through years wow. of being in the military so i'm sure i won't um, sign anything nah exactly yeah i've scratched all the serial numbers off it's fine <laughs> <laughs> they want their silver shards back though yeah exactly yeah. um but yeah yes it, it, you're right though with that like the, the bit of adversity and, and stuff like that and i, I got out because i didn't i knew i weren't going to be swimming very long so I took my running kit with me in the boot of the car and I was like, I'll quickly, you know, because I'm going to have to do a transition like that anyway, you know, on, on race day. So yeah, sort of ran back up the beach, quickly squirted my, you know, dried my feet off and that. And then, yeah, stuck my running shoes on and ran. And I've done my quickest 5K I've ever done. And I, no, I, I don't know what to put that down to because I, I was, I, I don't know whether it was because I couldn't feel my feet for the first two kilometers. It's because you were um, freezing your tits off me. You just wanted yeah, to get home. I was just trying to warm up. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I've done that. And like, even that, all my times have come, shooting down like the first 10k i did it was like an an hour and 12 minutes i'd done one the other day in like 54 minutes oh really happy days i actually signed up um for the great for the great north run again i was going back to what you said before about having a couple of drinks and then saying no for something i was absolutely blotted in the house one night i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna run the great north run never done any training before never ran more than like five mile in my life like even through the military i thought i'm gonna bloody do the great north run so i signed up to it and i got i got the because you get entered in the ballot didn't you so i got in the ballot i got it um and then I was like, fuck, I've got to do the great enough run. Like, so I started doing a bit of training and then uh, obviously COVID, they were like, oh, they're not doing it. I was like, oh, fuck for that. <laughs> so I didn't end up doing it. <laughs> so I, but I kept me money because I, I did it for um, Blind Dogs Trust. So I think you've got to sign up for 50 quid or something. And I've just like, you just keep that. You keep that. Just out of guilt really more than anything. So they, they, I, got, I tell them to keep the money. <laughs> yeah, nice. So we've, we've sort of covered most of what I've had for you i think uh is there anything else you want to get across you want to give a you know promotions for anything <laughs> um, if anyone's listening in the sort of south tyneside areas the northeast um vesta estates and lettings is going to be the big the big name coming to disrupt the market um for the estates side and uh, lettings um for any other sort of lettings that you want sort of two bedroom flats is generally our sort of go to in in the South Tyneside area. Uh, McCann Lettons is actually the trading name that we use, um, which is McCann property. Um, but no, I just want to say thanks thanks for having it having us on. Um, just going back to something I was saying before about you know people, if someone's out there listening and think I've got this business idea, I want to do it, just can't do it. You, you you will always regret it as much as. I've personally, people might look at the Ad Astra thing and not see it as a failure. I think my own, my own sort of um, ego would say I probably, it was a failed, a failed, not anything, you know, down to me, it was down to COVID and stuff, but I, I would do it again. You know, if someone said, you know, would you, would you do it again? Yeah, of course I would. Because I think that helped us set up Vesta, help us, you know, the operation for the director side for McCann's as well. So, and something I touched on at the very, very start of it, you know, for the lads if anyone's listening in the rough and you've been looked over for for promotion you know and you're just getting sick and sick you know don't put too much stock into what the rough say you are or 
or think you can do. You know, since leaving the military, I've had so much more opportunities from civvy employers than I ever did in the rough. You know, I got to the point, not that I'm bitter about it, <laughs> but no, I'd, I'd, I'd been in the rough nine years um, and you know, I probably should have got promoted, in, in my own opinion, obviously not the opinion of the board, but I probably should have got promoted within that. Um, and I, I wasn't pissed off that I didn't. I was just, and then I came out and then, you know, I had opportunity thrust upon us because of, of what people had seen in me. So that's the only thing I would say as a, as a takeaway for, for people in the rough is don't put too much stock into what the rough is telling you you need to do to improve or whatever so life has a way of working out yeah good nice That's... sign off that wasn't it yeah it's nice yeah <laughs> um yeah I've, I've got nothing else to add to that to be honest um yeah I'm, I'm i'm you know i'm fully in the camp of you know do stuff that makes you happy um and don't you know don't always chase the money for me you know it's like people are always you know there's so many people that are in jobs that they don't like and you know, and they're just, yeah, it's paycheck to paycheck and you get just get stuck in it. Um, and for me, like I've been quite fortunate that I've, you know, been able to sort of pick and choose my jobs and, and sort of float around. Obviously, I'm not settled into anything quite yet. Um, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, a few more years onto this and, yeah, this will be my job. And, yeah, that, you know, that is yeah. the dream, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, thanks for coming on. It's much appreciated. No, no, thank you. Thank um, you for the invite. I really really appreciate it's, it um yeah and yeah i hope everything goes you know goes carries on the way it's going to be honest it doesn't need mm-hmm. to go and you know any better than it is to be honest i don't want to yeah. be being too rich too quick um <laughs> but yeah no it's yeah everything you know everything looks good and in all the way just obviously struggling with a hill walking but that's, that's <laughs> yeah that's your i'll problem. drop your message next week yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm absolutely crippled know. on the way to you i'll be running past you <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah no thanks for coming on Owen it's much appreciated no, it? and, uh, yeah all the no, best, best, future, best look in the future for the podcast and that and uh, thanks oh, very good. much for your time cheers speak to you in a bit all the best mate see, see you later see you soon Ta-da. bye bye bye